What is going on, everybody? I've got, well, first of all, if in case you're don't unaware of who you're listening to, Michael Hunter at ACCBR1 on Twitter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. I appreciate you guys taking the time to join me this evening. I, uh, in my opinion, a great show for you guys tonight. I've got the chimp, okay, chimp carry, you know, Twitter aficionado uh, coming on, help me out with uh, <laughs> some some wagering. He's actually, uh, you know, part of my crew at ACC Basketball Report has actually given me some pointers. I am a novice as far as as, as far as wagering goes. Um, you know, the chimp's been kind of giving me some pointers on how to ma- maximize my profitability in the world of college basketball wagering. Now, <clears throat> I haven't been that efficient. I'm down I'm down a few units. In fact, prior to this podcast, somehow I teased down the New Orleans Saints to three and a half, I believe, from a nine and a half spread. And they were still unable to cover against Carolina. So it kind of ruined my evening. Last night, Pepperdine at home, Colby Ross was just too sexy, you know, for me to pass up. And, and you know, unfortunately I forgot for a moment that Lorenzo Romar coached that team and that ruined my Saturday night. So, unfortunately, it's been a rough a rough weekend for the Cone, but I, I brought on the chimp today. He gave me, you know, some intriguing games for the week. We're on some opposite sides, but that's kind of half the fun. Uh, and in addition to the chimp, I was joined by Lucas Harkins, where we previewed some of the best of Feast Week yet to come. Four of the tournaments, the NIT tip-off, the Emerald Coast Classic, Battle for Atlantis, and the Maui Invitational. We talked about all four. I am not going to waste you guys' time with a long intro tonight because some of these interviews went a little bit longer than I anticipated. I tried to keep it to 45 minutes to an hour, so we're going to get right to it i hope you guys enjoy first up is the chimp and then i'm going to bring on lucas this is the acc basketball report Farrell turns the key drives the lane with three on the shot clock doesn't get it five seconds to play down the floor a kogi i'm there mr chimp carry how are you doing sir Man, I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm not bad. I appreciate you taking the time to join me this evening. Absolutely, man. I'm I'm excited as I can be. I'm pumped. So on on what will be hopefully a, a regular segment on ACCBR, what we're doing tonight is picking some some games in the ACC slate that that are intriguing to us. We're, we're going to pick them, and then we're going to kind of expand our horizons out to the rest of the country, some games that we like across the country. I will give Chimp the floor, and I will I will make my own selections as well, kind of on the fly. Chimp, I, I, I give you the floor, and uh, what are you looking at this week? Well, the, the first thing I was going to do is just give a quick, uh, I guess, kind of a little synopsis of kind of how I approach this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've, been, I've been doing this probably for going on 25 years. Um, and just a little quick background, I did play in college for four years. Uh, you know, loved basketball since I was, you know, five or six years old. So the, the, the way I go about this is I'm always looking to – uh, I'm looking for plus money opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's so hard for anybody, no matter how smart you are, no matter what number you, numbers you use or whatever, to try to grind night in and night out at minus one ten. If you know what I mean. I mean, yes, I do. The, yep. The the big. It's very it's very difficult to do. So I'm always looking for plus opportunities. You know, money line dogs. Uh, I do play a fair amount of parlays. Um, last year, uh, I think it's kind of funny. I hit a seven game, a six game, two five games, a Damn. four game, a three game, and a two game last year. And that really kind of set me up to, to, to have a really good year last year. Now, I will also say this. My expectation is really, you know, I'm probably going to be wrong close to half of the time. Yeah. Most of us are. Hence the, you know, I, I, you know, if you, I try, when I'm right, I try to make as much as I can because I know I'm going to be wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's pretty much the approach I take. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I listen to, you know, some gambling podcast, sports gambling podcast being the predominant one with, with Sean and Ryan. I, I think, you know, the number that they've come up with at Odd Shark and, and some other outlets is basically you can make money at 53% correct is, is kind of what you're shooting for because you're going to be wrong. And, you know, I was confident. I, I, I'd like to play teasers on, on Football Sunday. I know that's something you're not a huge fan of. But, you know, prior to this recording, I, I was confident that I was going to make money at about a plus 160, plus 155 on a teaser that I played. Somehow New Orleans doesn't cover a three and a half against Carolina. And my weekend is pretty much busted. But you know, you like you said, you're going to be wrong. You got to take those that that comes with comes with the uh, with the, with the territory. Absolutely, and uh, you know, especially you see guys on Twitter. Uh, you would think that some of these guys are hitting you know eighty five ninety percent. You and I both know that's that's just not true. It's just not possible. Vegas is just too good. And one more thing, uh, as far as Vegas goes. I, mean, I always try to look at the lines from the standpoint of how do I get on their side of the table? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do they want me to play? You know, so so they can make money. So I mean, and even early in the year, you and I and uh, and BK and Mano, we, we've had some discussions and things, and and I, I'll play some odd things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you know, uh, Boston College. You know, yesterday you were right, I was wrong. <laughs> you know stuff like that but the way i look at it is if i do that over a full season i'm gonna come out ahead yeah so yeah and i you know it's i you know right now i believe i am i'm not sure what my record is right now but i'm pretty sure i'm right at 50 percent on the season um i'm i'm down a few units because every now and then i like to get cute and i like to play a teaser or parlay with my with my single game action you know, I hit on New Mexico plus four the other night, which is another game that you and I were kind of on the opposite sides of. But I could see, you know, where you're coming from as far as New Mexico State goes. You know, at home, a, a powerful mid-major with a good coach. It, how much of this do you think do you attribute to luck? Just simple, strange luck. Uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is just watch in-game situations, mm-hmm. you know, it can come down to some dude that's in the game for no good reason hitting a 25-footer at the buzzer or a guy miss a free throw when you really needed to make a free throw. I mean, look at the Georgia-Georgia Tech game the other night. Yeah. I mean, that, that was an absolutely huge swing. So, I would agree, a lot of it is luck. And you, you have to take your punches when it goes against you and just feel fortunate when you, you, you know the guy – makes a layup at the end of the game and you cover by a point. So looking forward to this week, what are what are some games that you're looking at? And uh, I'll go ahead and offer my opinions as I see fit. Okay, well, I, the, luckily the lines for tomorrow's games are up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that I was looking at before I really even knew what the line was, it really kind of jumped out at me. Everybody's really down on Northwestern and with good reason. Mm-hmm. They, they have absolutely, they have stunk. They've been terrible. Uh, they are a two and a half point dog uh, to Bradley. And I'm going to play Northwestern on the money line. That number is not up yet. I'm guessing maybe plus, plus 115, plus 120. That would, that, that, that would be my first play. Now, real quick, I'm, I'm, I'm punching in the game right now. Northwestern at home. Is that. Uh, it, it is actually a neutral site game down in Fort Myers, Florida. Ooh, I, I I think I think I'm with you on that game. Um, at some point, I think talent wins out. Um, Northwestern not being incredibly talented. In fact, as far as the Ken Palm rankings, one twelve versus one sixteen. Northwestern dropping a game to <laughs> Merrimack is is concerning to open the season, but you can you can kind of attribute that to opening game jitters. Radford 
you know, not not a great loss, but Radford's been good in recent seasons. But then, you know, Northwestern also owns a, a victory over Providence, which has been very good defensively, if inconsistent overall. So I, I think Northwestern money line, you know, on a neutral court, I think that's I think it's a quality pick. All right, next game, <clears throat> uh, I like Missouri over Butler. Missouri is laying one. Uh, this is another neutral site game. It is in Kansas City. Uh, I, and let me say this. I, I love Butler's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have experience. Uh, I like the way they play. Uh, but uh, actually, I really honestly think Butler ought to be favored. But Missouri's favored by one, and I mm-hmm. think they're going to win the game. Yeah, I'm on the opposite side of you on this. I, I love Kamar Baldwin. I like Jordan Tucker, Sean McDermott. You know, Butler has shooters on that team. I Missouri is just not a team that I can that I can really get behind right now. I'm not a huge Quanzo Martin guy, uh, but I'm not a, a huge. Um, damn it! Uh, I'm gonna say the NC, North Carolina A and T coach is that Laval Jordan is the coach of Butler. I'm not huge on him either. Uh, I was gonna say Lavelle Moton because I always confuse the two, but. You know, I'm not huge on either coach, but as far as rosters go, I like Butler. I like Butler on a on an intro court. I, I think that they win by four to six points. All right. Well, we're on opposite sides on that, and you have certainly won those battles early in the year. So, buyer beware if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still only 48, 50 percent on the season, so we're, we're we're still yeah buyer beware on both sides. Uh, the next game, this this one is just absolutely going to set you off, piss you off. I mean, we <laughs> could hear fireworks here in just a minute. Let's. I, I think Georgia Tech beats Arkansas. Whoo! You know, I, I actually uh, did a preview um, for Boston Brackets earlier that was released earlier today. You know, Georgia Tech hangs their hat on perimeter defense. Isaiah Joe, one of the best perimeter shooters in the country. Overall, though, Arkansas, not a great perimeter shooting team, shooting under, I believe, 27% on the season. The only question marks I have, Jose Alvarado dealing with an ankle injury, James Banks coming off the flu, Michael DeVoe really been the only guy that's been consistent for the Yellow Jackets. I don't know what the spread is on this game. I'm, I'm punching it in now. I am, you know, Passner has been good. At home, but Arkansas and Musselman—they're—they're they're talented. Um, right now, Arkansas is favored by one on Ken Palm. Uh, I, I'm going to take Arkansas to cover. Even Georgia Tech is my team; everybody knows that. But they, Georgia Tech, beat Arkansas on the road last year in Fayetteville. I, I don't think that happens two years in a row. Well, and this is one of those games that is, is classic temp gambling. Uh, the, the, to me, based on what we've seen so far, I mean, the bottom line is Arkansas ought to be favored by probably six to eight points in this game. I agree. No matter where it's being played. I, I would say I four think, and a half to six, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah, four and a half, that's fair. Uh, I look at that, and it just jumps off, off the board. And, you know, that brings to another point. Listen, bad teams cover and bad teams win games, mm-hmm. especially on their own floor. It happens all the time, uh, you know, and, I mean, this line, to me, it just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So this is kind of a classic bet for me. So I'm going to be on tech on the money line. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that has stuck with me throughout the years is good teams cover. I'm, I'm sorry, good teams win, great teams cover. And... When when it comes to a game like this, this is a for me. This is you know for you it might be a classic bet game for me. This is a classic stay away game. I want zero part of this game in in any way, shape, or form. Well, so <clears throat> you're going to go ahead and let me lose on my own on this one. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm I'm going to take you know if we're going to set the line, you know Ken Palm has the game as a one point game. I would take Arkansas up to three and a half to, to cover on the road. You know, Georgia Tech as a home dog is is pretty tasty because they've been actually pretty good under Passner in McCamish. 
But at the same time, if, you know, Alvarado's status is, is a big deal, the Yellow Jackets look pretty lost without him when he's not on the court. So uh, I would tentatively take Arkansas right now on the road. All right, uh, just a couple more tomorrow. And these are really two games that I would probably throw in a parlay mm-hmm. uh, and not play them on their own. Uh, Grand Canyon is getting two and a half against Illinois State. Uh, Grand Canyon is another team that has just been absolutely <clears throat> brutal to start the year. Yeah, I think they, there were expectations for them uh, to be better than they've been. Uh, uh, this game, I think, I think this game is at Illinois State. I think the line should be much higher. Uh, so I would say Grand Canyon, but it's not uh, to to kind of joke around with the chimp stuff. Uh, I would probably be a one or two banana play. Let's put it like that. And it's, and it's probably one that I would throw in, throw in a parlay. So Grand Canyon plus two and a half. So this is this game is actually on a neutral court being played in the Virgin Islands. Um, no, it is on a, it is on a neutral court. That's okay, correct. Um, right now, Ken Palm favoring Grand Canyon by one. <sighs> Two teams that are incredibly close to me. I, I came into the season probably not unlike yourself, thinking Grand Canyon was going to be better than they are. I actually threw out a prediction that Grand Canyon would take down Illinois at home in their second game of the season. Illinois won that game by about a dozen. I, you know, Grand Canyon is a team that you know maybe is kind of a pet for me, but at two and five. At some point, you just got to uh, you got to jump off the boat. I'm going to take Illinois State to to upset the you know to to get the win, you know, over the Antelopes on a neutral court in the Virgin Islands. I like Illinois State in this game. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> New Mexico State and Colorado State. Um, this is another game that I'm 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 not really crazy about it, but I wrote it down anyway. Colorado State's getting four and a half. They have not been very good early in the season, uh, you know. So this is another one. You know, if I was going to play one of those four or five game parlays, mm-hmm. uh, I would I would probably uh, put that game in this category. I, I would I would take Colorado State on the money line. Really? That yeah. that, that's that's surprising to me. Well, I, I, go ahead. Let me let me jump let me jump in with one thing real quick. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I said this to you when we were we were chatting the other day that if I see a team anything under four and a half points for me, you have no reason to play that team unless you believe they can win the game. Uh, yes, yes, yep. So that, this is one of those deals. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I. I... I believe in that. You know what I mean. I I think one of the things that you and I have discussed is why pay. You know the the minus one ten when you can get the you know plus one sixty and uh, on the money line and I, I I've bought into that early I think um, it has bit me a little bit as I played Ole Miss money line yesterday against Memphis when as if I played them simply to cover I would have made money yesterday so I it's 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 a it's an interesting strategy, I think. Whereas you can either pay the vig and still make money, or 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 take the you know the the, the positive money and, and potentially lose because that is a real possibility. As far as this goes, I, I think Chris Jans is you know a, a better coach. I think they have the better team. I think in a situation where you have two teams as close as this goes, I would simply take. I would just take New Mexico State money line. I, I just think that that's the safe bet. I think that even though you're, you're looking at negative money, I would do kind of what you've been talking about. I would roll that into a bigger parlay as maybe more of a sure thing and, and rely on another game to increase my odds and increase my payout. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I, I do that a lot. Um, and, and we haven't even really gotten to talking about totals yet. Um, I do a lot of betting on totals, and so far this year, I'm just completely uh, out of sorts with totals. I yeah, I've been bad too. Yeah, the the, the three point line being moved back, uh, the way the game's being played, I, I really don't know. But I have not kind of caught up yet on, on the whole total thing, so I really kind of stayed away. But 
when I do parlays, I usually have a couple totals in there, and, and I would throw in a Colorado State money line. or And even on totals is where I'm willing to lay – 160 or 180 or 200 on a team mm-hmm. if, if it's in a part if it's in a parlay yeah that's the only time i'll ever do that yes sir i i agree yep any uh any other games you're looking at this week uh well there, there are a few on <clears throat> wednesday and you're gonna have to help me out on these because obviously the lines aren't out yet so I don't know what the Kim Palm looks like. Uh, the the Alabama North Carolina game yeah, is intriguing that's to me. Definitely on my radar as well. Uh, and, and what's really on my radar is what is the total going to be? Because historically, Roy Williams his teams play fast. You know they get up and then you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but. Alabama this year also is playing fast. Mm-hmm. You know, they have Ky- Kyra Lewis at point guard. They've got Petty on the wing. They're, you know, Oates plays that way too. And North Carolina hadn't exactly, you know, put up big numbers yet. I'm wondering if, if Vegas is going to hang up something in the 140s maybe. Um, a- so according I- to Ken Palm, the total is 159, which. Well, that's not even close to 140. That's. Yeah, you know, if if you're looking at, you know, what I've been seeing, um, some of you may know, I've been writing some some gambling previews for for some sites around the country. A lot of what I'm seeing as far as totals that, you know, they're ranging from about 143.5 to 147.5 seems to be where... Vegas likes to put the totals right now, and if that's the case, then, then I'm going over all day. I think that's exactly what I was saying, that if Vegas hangs up a number, uh, you know, high 140s, uh, I could easily see that game getting high 150s, maybe into the 160s, um, something like that. Yeah, the only thing that, that I would be, I guess, a little bit hesitant on is North Carolina hasn't really played anybody of any consequence since opening night. And, you know, when they played Notre Dame, that game went out to 141. So, you know, Cole Anthony has been fantastic, but the supporting cast has been a little bit lacking so far. Uh, same thing with Alabama. Kira Lewis has been, or Kyra Lewis, I'm not really sure, has been really good. But still, he's, you know, he's only 18, you know, halfway to 19 years old. Alabama has not performed that well. So this 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 could be... You know, an interesting game to bet for sure. Well, I would probably say that I'm more than likely either way going to be on the over. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama Alabama has given up a lot of points. I watched them a little bit against Rhode Island. They're not defending no. very well. Uh, but they do have some guys that can score. And uh, you throw Cole Anthony in there who can go get you 30 anytime. Uh, I think that I think it'll be a fun game to watch. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to be tuned in for sure. Uh, I guess any, anything else on your radar that's uh, maybe striking your fancy this week, Jim? Uh, well, Oregon Seton Hall is a very interesting yeah. looking game to me. Uh, I don't know where Ken Palm has that one. I'm assuming Oregon would be favored. Uh, on a neutral court. Yeah, right now Oregon favored by one seventy one seventy according to Ken Palm, and that is part of the Battle for Atlantis uh, tournament, which takes place in the Bahamas. Well, that's just a game that I looked at, and I, you know, that I, I really have no idea what side I would want to be on. But oh, that's another game like Alabama North Carolina. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. Uh, and what what I'll probably do is because uh, it's so hard to, uh, to to do these pods with you know with the lines you know coming out uh, you know day of yeah yeah the day exactly uh, I, you know I may throw some stuff out there on Twitter um, you know especially if I start losing a few of these people will want to fade me so <laughs> I may become famous that way. <laughs> you know the only thing about this game that I that I tend to that I'll focus on is. You know, Oregon just played Houston at home. Houston, you know, a, a, a nice team at the same time has a focal point in Quentin Grimes. You know, uh, played Memphis on a semi-home court. You know, when they had James Wiseman, still got the victory. Boise State uh, at home, 
which is you know backcourt focused quite you know type team, and and get the win against all of them in in pretty convincing fashion. Seton Hall, not unlike some of those teams, where their focal point is Miles Powell. So my my early tendency is is to lean towards Oregon. Um, however, uh, you know not unlike some of the other games we've talked about. This is kind of a stay away game for me because there's nothing saying that Miles Powell won't go off for 40 and Seton Hall wins by, you know, 8 to 12 points. Very possible. And um, I don't know, the, the closer it gets and once I see a number, uh, I'll be, you know, yeah, I'll be interested to see what the total is on that game as well. Um, and I was going to ask you to uh, Auburn, New Mexico tomorrow night, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I'm. Kind of, uh, I really have no idea what to play in that game. You know, I I was big on on Auburn coming into the season back in maybe July. I, I kind of faded on them a little bit, and then you know as the season kind of ramped up, I, I was kind of back on the bandwagon. I think they've got some pretty good wins against Davidson against South Alabama. I think Colgate is an underrated team that is beat by thirty. That said, New Mexico. Um, it just dropped, you know, dropped a tough game against UTEP, which I think UTEP is underrated. But then they go to Las Cruces and they beat New Mexico State. Jaquan Lyle has been a scoring machine. I think he had 24 in that game. Carlton Bragg has been kind of the player that we expected when he first started out his career at Kansas. I don't really know where to be. On that game right now, uh, Ken Palm has Auburn favored by nine. If I was going to bet this game on a neutral court, where's this game being played? Let me check real quick. This game is Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, You know, not really a home court advantage for either team. I, I like New Mexico's offense. I would pick New Mexico to cover Auburn to win if I was going to take that game. Yeah, the number on on bet online right now is Auburn minus seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to that's another fun be another fun game to watch. But uh, that's going to be a fun game to watch if you don't have any money on it. Otherwise, I think it might give you a heart attack. Yeah, there are a lot of games like that. They're, they're much fun <laughs> but you don't have any money <laughs> on it. I think and, one of the one of the more the, go ahead. Uh, well, one one other thing I was going to say. I do this every year. And I started doing this, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. I would tell all your listeners, bet over on every single game in the Mallory Invitation. Oh. And Any, any particular thought behind that? You, you watch the Mallory Invitation every year. Yeah. As a former great shooter of the basketball, I can tell you those <laughs> rims, it doesn't get any friendlier than that. Uh, the, the, you have a, a gym that's a great uh, shooter's gym with a, with a you know uh, good backdrop. The rims are very friendly. I play over in every game that you're just you know for shits and grins. So the the humidity and the potential fatigue on that doesn't play a part. You don't think? Uh, I didn't catch the last part. As far as you know, you watch the Maui, you see everybody sweating their balls off. You know the humidity in that court, the heat in that court. You don't think that plays a part as far as equaling equaling that out? Um, it, it could. All I know is I watch it every year, and teams just you know even bad offensive teams go out there and score points. So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I put put that in my 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 chimp manifesto, <laughs> my gambling manifesto. It's in there. I think a quick note on the Auburn New Mexico game. I think one game that might even be more intriguing for Auburn, uh, apart from the New Mexico game, is about ten days after they play New Mexico, they get Furman at home, which I think Furman is kind of an underrated team that maybe some people are sleeping on. And you know, Furman last year was a team that couldn't quite get the victories in the SOCOM to get them into the tournament. They have been very good so far this season. That might be a a marquee win for, for Furman as far as their tournament resume goes. Well, I will be curious to see what uh, what the number is in that game. For sure. Uh, I, have made, I have one uh, on Furman this year. I, they were minus four at home versus Loyola Chicago. Uh, and they absolutely destroyed them. 
I think you're right. They're experienced. Um, you know, they they played Wofford tough last year. Uh, got a lot of guys back. So yeah, I'll be looking forward to see what that number is on that game. Chimp, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to join me on the ACC Basketball Report, and I hope you have a good evening. Well, let me close with yeah. this. I just want to say that it's it's an absolute uh, honor uh, and a pleasure to be associated with you and JW and BK and Mana. I'm just glad to be on the team. Uh, love everything about it. Uh, I think it's fantastic, and uh, I appreciate you allowing me uh, to be on your team. Hey, man, I appreciate everything you contribute, and uh like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to join me tonight. Uh, it's been a ton of fun, and I look forward to doing it throughout the year. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Yes, sir. So that was Mr. Chimp Carey, the chimp, as he is known as on uh, – or no, I'm sorry, what is it, at Carey Chimp on Twitter? Either way, just, just a phenomenal guy. I've got to know him. Uh, the last couple of years and just a welcome addition to the ACC basketball report community. He has a method to his madness, which gives him an advantage over me in the, in the long term for sure. And I, you know, I've got the best of him a little bit early, but I can attribute that to luck. And I, I think in the long term, you'll see him come out in units ahead. I am now joined by Bustin brackets, uh, co-site expert, Lucas Harkins, he is the guy that edits all my stuff as far as busting brackets goes. And Lucas and I are going to talk about some preseason or in-season tournaments that are coming up for Feast Week. I hope you guys enjoy. Lucas Harkins, how's it going, man? Good, how about you? Not bad at all, not bad at all. I appreciate you taking the time to join me. Yeah, of course. So, uh, I guess what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take a look at four uh, early season classics, early season tip-off tournaments. I, I want to start with, I guess the first, which is kind of the 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 weirdest, I guess, in in the Emerald Coast Classic, which is kind of a Florida-based tournament. Um, some of the games have actually already been played. Um, <laughs> with with uh, we'll start with the field. Okay. Florida state is, is ACC tournament involved. St. Francis, Jacksonville state, Purdue, Florida Gulf coast, VCU all involved in this tournament. Um, the other two teams are Tennessee Chattanooga, which will play on Monday night for the first time. This is a tournament that is, <laughs> it's interesting because it plays yesterday and Monday, and then it takes a few days off and it plays, Friday and Saturday. My question to you is, which team do you like the most in this tournament? Which team intrigues you the most? And what do you hope to gain from this tournament? Um, I think the number one thing I'm hoping to gain is trying to figure out who Purdue is. Yeah, uh, We saw them in a couple games this season really struggle without really a go-to offensive weapon. Um, and they're going to be tested tremendously with um, at least ECU and then um, FSU or Tennessee in their next game. That I think we're going to have to find out who they really are. Because does Purdue belong as the 10th best team in the country, as they are on Ken Palm? Probably not. Right. But are they more of a top 25 team or a top 40 team? So when it, I, I'm with you on VCU. I'm, I'm, with, I'm, I'm actually with you on Purdue as well. Uh, you know, top 10, no, but I think, you know, 20 through maybe 35 is where I'm comfortable on Purdue. Florida State is a team that, depending on who you talk to, um, is anywhere from probably 18 to 40, I think. What are your what are your thoughts on the Seminoles? And they have a matchup, you know, the scheduled matchup with them in this tournament is Tennessee on Friday night. What what are you looking for in that game? Yeah, I have Florida State in the middle of your range. I think I'm at like backside of the twenty at the top twenty five, maybe twenty four. Um, right now, I think I feel better about Florida State considering Florida's played better yeah. um, as of late, kind of making that win look um, even better. I think they've settled in. Um, especially defensively um, pretty early on this season, even though they have a few new pieces um, and the offense is coming along. I like the way I like the pace that they're playing with on that on the floor. And Devin Vassell is showing up as an offensive scorer, which uh, is definitely important for them. 
So coming into the season, um, some of the things that maybe we're up and down on as a group, you know, you're part of the Rock and 25. I'm also part of the Rock and 25. Tennessee had, you know, people that believed in them and as well as people that, that said, no, no. I mean, you know, Bowden, you know, Turner, good players, but this isn't a top 25 team. In your opinion, is that a top 25 team? Eve Pons has shown up a little bit. What are your thoughts on Volunteers? Um, I was neither down or high on Tennessee this offseason. I mostly stayed out of that argument in our group, but I have bought in really quickly. Um, I have them in my top 25. I think they'll probably stay there for a long time. Um, even with a really tough schedule, I, I really like the SEC this year. I think their offense is performing at a really high level, um, especially considering the massive amount of losses they had this offseason. Their ball movement is terrific. Um, and they're really hitting open threes, which obviously – is kind of hit or miss sometimes, but they don't. It's, they're not a high volume three point shooting team, but they're not getting the ones that they need to mm. keep as honest. VCU um, kind of going into that game hosting LSU late last week. I, I was on VCU. I, I, I was a big believer in VCU. I'm a big believer in Mike Rhodes. They they open up huge in the first half. Um, open up a huge margin uh, against the Tigers. We all know LSU has had problems protecting the ball, taking care of the ball so far this season. But LSU manages to close the gap uh, late, late in the second half. VCU holds on for the win. What what did that game tell you about both Virginia Commonwealth as well as maybe LSU? Well, it definitely told me about LSU that they're going to have turnover issues all season long. Mm -hmm. Um, VCU obviously forces turnovers maybe better than anybody else in the country. Um, but that wasn't the fr- that was the first issue for LSU. That was the first real instance of LSU showing their, um, their inconsistencies without having Trent Waters as a true ball handler at the point. Um, and that again has shown up over the last four games for them. They're still four and two and probably a top 40, 50 team in the country with NCAA's current potential. But their turnover issues were very evident in that game. Um, as far as VCU goes, I was impressed with their three-point shooting, kind mm-hmm. of. Even like they're not exactly knocking them down at a tremendously high rate this season, but it feels as though some of their like better shooters that really struggled last season are starting to turn that around. Does that does the LSU front court is that something that concerns you? Uh, not really. I'm more just concerned about them not really having a true point guard. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think I agree. I think that. It's the the lack of size is less concerning in today's basketball than there is a lack of an, a a guy that can instigate uh, an offense. And I think that I think you nailed it with Tremont Waters. I think him not being able to initiate the offense is something that they are missing far more than like Cavell Bigby Williams or or maybe a Nas Reed on the interior. Yep. Moving on to. The NIT tip-off bracket, again, uh, an interesting, a very interesting field for me. Uh, Wednesday, Friday night games, four teams, Ole Miss, Penn State, Oklahoma State, Syracuse. If you were to say that there was a lot of question marks regarding this teams, these teams in this field in their future, I think that would be an understatement. I don't know who this who the field is regarding as far as the best team in this field. Ole Miss and Penn State square off on Wednesday night as well as Oklahoma State Syracuse with the championship game coming Friday night. What team are you looking for as far as a statement goes and and what team are you the most confident in as far as these four teams go? Well, I think whoever wins the Ole Miss-Penn State game mm-hmm. is the one that will win the second game. I really like Ole Miss this season again. Um, their backcourt is phenomenal, and Kermit Davis is one of the better, quote-unquote, underrated high-major coaches. Um, and Penn State has surprised me. They've looked <laughs> good, <laughs> legitimately good. Um, they didn't look great against Yale, but then made a monster run to finish that game to move to uh, 5-0, and and they kind of look like this might be the year. Not willing to buy in on that yet, but this might be the year. Um, and I think that's that matchup is something I'm really looking forward to as kind of a statement game for either team. So, uh, you know, watching, I don't know if you got to, if you got the opportunity to see the Ole Miss Memphis game yesterday or the Syracuse Bucknell game yesterday. 
I was on Bucknell to cover the 13 and a half. Syracuse came out like an offensive juggernaut, which was something that I didn't anticipate. Memphis, Memphis played fairly well, I thought, for the first 30, 35 minutes. Uh, you know, without James Wiseman, Ole Miss made a, a run late after trailing most of the game. Which team did, did were you most impressed with, I guess, out of Ole Miss and Syracuse as far as this weekend goes? Um, I think Syracuse. Yeah, I was already pretty high on Ole Miss. They performed about to my expectations in that game, maybe a little bit higher with how well they played down the stretch. Um, Syracuse's defense is always going to be fine, I think, and, and showing that they can really knock in the three this year over the past few games um, is a big difference maker. I mean, if Buddy Beheim's going to be uh, a legitimate threat, and if you're going to see Gerard be a capable scorer in the starting lineup, that makes them a very dangerous team. Yeah, I think that was that was maybe what was most um, surprising to me was that Syracuse had so many weapons against a Bucknell team that coming into the game I thought was 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 well coached and I had fairly high expectations for. I thought the thirteen and a half was a little deep for a Syracuse team that had been or had its difficulties scoring up to the point. I think Nathaniel Davis is a good is a good coach. They you know Bucknell shoots the three fairly well early on, and I think that that game is kind of indicative of what is going on in college basketball right now. As far as these early games, you know, when you get past the top maybe six or seven teams in, in the country, you might as well throw darts at a dartboard. Is that is that accurate as far as you're thinking as well? As I currently work on my top. By power rankings article for tomorrow tonight yeah it's a nightmare once you get past north carolina question yeah, yeah. who's who is the number seven team in the country and i'm not you know as far as comparatively speaking with other years as far as number seven teams in the country north carolina is a weak number seven is that is that also accurate yeah, I would agree. There's definitely not a number one team that I think will stay at number one for long this season. And I wouldn't say that about any top five team sticking in the top 20. It's about any top five team sticking in the top five for long. I would, I guess, tentatively suggest that Louisville is the most complete team, maybe the, the best option at number one in the country. Is that is that also where you stand, or you got somewhere yeah, else I to have go? Louis, I have Louisville at number one, too. Um Begrudgingly, with the respect I have for Chris Mack. <laughs> any any particular reason that you're you're not on the Chris Mack train? Kind of the forced Butler Xavier rivalry over the past few years. Ah, that makes sense now that the, I think of it. The well known water fountain debacle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Moving on from the NIT, we're going to go to the Maui, which is traditionally one of one of the the greatest, you know. We call it preseason tournaments. It's not a preseason tournament. It's actually an in-season tournament. But with a field of Georgia, Dayton, Virginia Tech, Michigan State, Kansas, Chaminade, BYU, UCLA, certainly a lot to offer. I think a lot of things to unpack. I think I'm not sure which which you would go with. For me, uh, Virginia Tech, you know, Michigan State is intriguing in the first round simply because. Virginia Tech has been a surprising team early on. Dayton, Georgia also has you know a lot of star power with Anthony Edwards and Obi Toppin. What what uh, what are you looking for at the Maui? What questions can be answered out there? Well, assuming we get to the expected Michigan State Kansas mm-hmm. final, um, I think that obviously brings the intrigue for the entire tournament. Um, I think really that's those are the only two teams that I truly view as top 25 teams. And obviously they're top 10 teams, but of anyone in the field, they're really the only ones that I really view as a maybe deep run um, kind of team. So I want to see how they're feeling each other out if they get to that point in the tournament. Um, also, though, I love Obi Toppin, really like Dayton this year. Um, I want to see if they get to that second round, what they can really, how how far they can push Michigan State. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at that, and I can't help but look at the bracket and see that if both teams lose, those being Dayton and Virginia Tech, that in the second round in a Game 5 matchup, you could have a Landers Nolly versus Obi Toppin matchup. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about Landers Nolly, your impressions of him so far, 23-6 and six per game. 
what uh, is Virginia Tech capable of, like maybe a, a top eleven finish in the ACC? Uh, I would think so. I mean, it's so early to tell anything, but they've played beyond my expectations, and I would say probably beyond anyone's expectations um, so far this season. Now, it's possible we just kind of overvalue that road win over Clemson as well, but Nolly's performed extremely well as their leader, hitting the ball, hitting the three ball at a higher clip than I was anticipating. Now, I'm sure he'll back down from, I want to say, upper 40% so far, but We'll see what they have in store. I mean, right after this tournament, I think they get Duke in a home game. So mm-hmm. we'll quickly learn just how ready Virginia Tech is to leap higher in the in, higher in the ACC standings than we expected. UCLA sitting in the bottom of this tournament bracket against a first-round matchup with BYU. Um, I am not sure Yoeli Childs, is he, is he coming back for this game? Is that correct? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what his official comeback date is. How, what are your what are your what's your stance on UCLA sitting in the bottom of this bracket? Kind of, you know, s- potential second round matchup with Kansas. Kansas is, you know, they dropped that opening night game to Duke. Uh, some, you know, Yudoka Azubuki hasn't looked great. Looked pretty one dimensional so far this season. Is is there an opportunity for UCLA to pick up a quality win here? I don't know. I think UCLA needs time, and this, and they don't have enough of it yet. I think that's going to be a team that turns out to be relatively good by maybe mid-January because um, I, I really like Mick Cronin installing his system, but that's going to take probably a couple months into the year before that we really start to see UCLA um, as a legitimate team, which I think hurts the Pac-12, which has overall exceeded expectations so far this season, and that UCLA is not going to be a very good loss, I think, by the time conference play arrives, but they're going to be a loss a lot of teams take. Yeah, you know, Mick Cronin was was a hire that, you know, I was blah on. I I didn't think he was a good fit. I think that, you know, he's a great coach, and under the right circumstance, you know, in in a situation where he would be appreciated, yes, he would be a great hire. However, UCLA was not that place for him to be hired. What what are your thoughts on the Hofstra loss? How is that indicative of maybe how his his tenure will go? Is that to be expected, or you know, I guess what are your impressions of the hire? What are your impressions of the Hofstra loss, and what do you think the length of his of his tenure will be in Los Angeles? I think you kind of hit it on the head with the fact that it was a little bit of a questionable hire despite Cronin's success um, in that he doesn't necessarily fit what the Bruins have really been about for the last few years. Um, And I think with regards to the Hofstra loss, it wasn't even all that surprising. It kind of felt like the pride kind of finished off with Long Beach State, and I will not say their nickname. Um, (laughs) What kind of Long Beach State started in the season opener? I, I think Cronin should be fine at UCLA, but they need to give him time. Um, and we'll see if that transitions, if he's able to make that transition quick this season. I think that that's possible, that they turn out into being maybe a top 80, 75 team by, um, as I mentioned earlier, mid-January. But I think it'll take time for the Bruins fans to see what he can bring out west. Moving along to maybe the 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 premier season, I guess, preseason tournament, uh, of 2019-20 with a loaded, absolutely loaded uh, field, a, a bracket that we're going to spend some time on now. Uh, Battle for Atlantis, uh, eight teams, Michigan, Ohio, uh, Iowa State, North Carolina, Alabama, Gonzaga, Southern Miss, Seton Hall, Oregon. Those are all first-round matchups. For me, you know, North Carolina, Alabama sticks out. Alabama's kind of underachieved so far this season. Seton Hall, Oregon. Seton Hall getting Miles Powell back. Oregon looking like a team that, you know, we ranked in the, you know, the 10 to 14 range, I guess, on the Rockin' 25. Looking more like a top 6 to 8 team at this point. I for three for two straight weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I put them at five, I think, in the most recent rankings. What are your thoughts on on this game on, on this bracket in particular? 
what are your thoughts on you know a potential championship matchup between I, I would assume North Carolina Oregon but what what are you looking at here yeah I think Oregon is the team I'm watching most obviously I kind of fallen in love with the ducks to start this season I think they fit what a lot of what I kind of like to watch um, but at the same time, they're a team that's going to have a really tough road. I think Oregon's probably the best team in this bracket. Sorry, Tar Heel fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if North Carolina-Oregon is the championship game, I would lean in favor of UNC just because their road is significantly easier. In order, in order for Oregon to win this tournament, they're probably going to have to go through Seton Hall, a top-20 team, Gonzaga, a top-10 team, and then North Carolina in four days. Yeah. And I don't really think that that's really all that likely. And if they do, we might be talking about Oregon as the number one team in the country. If if they were to win those, if they were to win three games in this tournament, are they getting your number one vote? Yeah, I think they would. Would it shock you to see Kira Lewis, John Petty make a run and maybe get to that championship game? Uh, I think so, just because they've been so inconsistent to start the year. I'm not sure they can even put two straight good games together to get there. Gonzaga, uh, Southern Miss in the first round, probably the easiest matchup. Yep. Um, you know, we, we had questions into the season. Gonzaga mostly ranked 17 to 21, somewhere in there. Have, have kind of shown out early on in the season – opportunities to win this tournament is that is that a situation where you think they can uh they can pick up some quality wins and maybe establish themselves as a top 10 team in the country i think so um my concern with gonzaga is quite frankly three-point shooting Mm -hmm. Um, they don't have a lot of threats from distance and even right now those threats aren't really hitting Uh, Corey kispert's really struggled um in their last couple games and if the Bulldogs are relying on Ryan Woolridge to be their top three-point shooter as he was against UT Arlington. That's not really a great sign moving forward. I think they're going to dominate the paint like they have um, in the past few seasons and still play with a lot of pace and finish around the rim, but they'll have a difficult time winning this tournament unless um, Kispert turns around from three, even Gildert hits, Gildert hits a few more, and Tilly needs to run back, come back into form quickly. Michigan gets Ohio. Uh, I'm sorry, Iowa State in the first round. The defense still looks elite from the John Beilon days. Jawan Howard has kind of brought that with him. I, I'm not a hundred percent sold on Michigan yet. Some people are starting to jump on that bandwagon. What are your thoughts on the Wolverines? Well, I think their best win to date um, is obviously their home win over Creighton, and I think that's a little bit overblown considering the matchup because. Quite frankly, Creighton does not have a big man pretty much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob Epperson out, and that was a game where John Teske could pretty much do whatever he wanted um, in the paint. I think he finished with 17-7, and seven. Um, and that, I think, kind of overblows that win. I think Michigan is a tournament-caliber team, but I don't buy them as a top-25 team, and I just think that that's a game that um, that first-round matchup has the potential to be fun, but I'll take North Carolina making the championship game from that side of the bracket pretty safely. So, up to this point, Carolina, you know, it's been the Cole Anthony show. I think Garrison Brooks has played very well. Justin Pierce has been a welcome addition from the mid-major ranks, uh, transferring it from William and Mary. You know, Christian Keeling, not impressive so far. Jeremiah Francis, um, some other freshmen haven't made, you know, their their appearances. Sterling Manley has yet to, has yet to play this year due to injury. Leaky Black kind of underperformed. You know, Cole Anthony is obviously a star. I am not sure that that Carolina can play successfully with Alabama, Michigan, and then potentially either Oregon, Seton Hall, or Gonzaga in three straight days. What are your what are your concerns with Carolina going into this tournament? Well, the concern I think you hit it is: Do they really have a secondary guy? I mean, Anthony's maybe the best or top three at least college basketball player this season. But we've seen in the past how the best players can have their teams struggle without a secondary guy. I mean, we saw it even happen with Trey Young a couple of years ago without having really anyone there to help him in the second half of the season. Um, and I think that's my concern with North Carolina: is who's going to be that guy? I think they're going to dominate in the glass, but if they're not going to have another perimeter scorer, 
Um, I'm concerned about how far they can really go. Because one off night by Anthony could lead to a questionable loss. If you were to, you know, maybe select a player on that team to break out and be a secondary or a third or a third tier guy, who who would be your selection? I mean, I think the player I'm really monitoring for them, um, you already talked about, is Leaky Black, but mm-hmm. he's not really a scorer either. Um, he's been really inefficient as a scorer so far this season, but I've been impressed um, with his ability as um, a playmaker. I know people kind of touted him as this six seven point guard um, out of high school. I didn't see it that much last season, but I think he's uh, a 14 to four assist to turnover ratio to start the season. And that's nice as a piece next to um, Cole Anthony, who's, I guess you as North Carolina fans will want, he's averaging, he's leading the team in assists per game so far, but mm-hmm. he's going to be the scorer. So giving um, a playmaker that can kind of create for him and allow Anthony to spend some time off ball is something I'm monitoring. Not really sure who the scorer is going to be though. I know that, you know, we, we, we just hit on four tournaments real quick. I know that you're currently working on a piece for the Hall of Fame Classic. Give me give what? me some thought <laughs> Give me give me some thoughts on the Hall of Fame Classic and where you're at there. Um, I think that it's perhaps the most underrated tournament of the week in terms of it's going to be a big tournament for um Post, it's going to have postseason implications. And I think that it's the tournament that every single game, and yes, there are only four, but every single game brings intrigue. Even in the battle for Atlantis, there's that one see, that one opener, Gonzaga Southern Miss, that no one's really going to be that intrigued about after the first 10 minutes. Um, I think that the Hall of Fame Classics are a really good way to start the week, Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butler has... Definitely exceeded expectations um, to begin the season, particularly defensively. Um, Bryce Enzi looks like maybe a top 25 transfer addition in the country, um, as he pretty much does exactly what Butler missed last season. He's a physical presence inside, an elite passer for his position. Um, and he takes a lot of the burden off of um, Kamar Baldwin in terms of having to create. Um, I think that that's probably the best team in the field, and I'm not saying that from a biased perspective, perspective as a recent graduate of, of the <laughs> school, but um, I think that's I think they're probably the best team in the tournament. But we've also but they'll have a tough matchup in the first round um, with Missouri, who's a hard nosed defensive team this year. I really like their guards. Um, Jeremiah Tillman up front um, will pose challenges, and I think they've maybe not shown a ton offensively yet this season, but their defense is going to cause problems for teams. Um, and then I think in that bottom half of the bracket, Stanford, and I'm not a huge Stanford fan. They've probably played better than many were thinking heading into the season. Um, Tyrell Terry is doing a great job as a freshman, um, really efficient for his first few games at the college level. But I think they're going to probably be the worst team in this field while Oklahoma um, it's probably the most intriguing, considering I expected Oklahoma to be more of a defensive team than an offensive team this season. But they're playing with a lot of pace and kind of their offense has impressed me more than their defense so far. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember which game of theirs I caught, but is it uh, Davion Harmon, I believe is his name? Yeah, freshman. Yeah, yeah, you know, impressed the shit out of me. Brady Manick shooting the ball. I, I think that he's improved over the past couple of years since coming in with Trey Young. Um, the Doolittle kid was also a kid that that I, I think impressed me a great deal. And in the one game that I saw, I, I'm not going to claim that I that I've seen a, a great deal of them. But Oklahoma, you know, Long Kruger is a great coach. I would never, I would never actually, you know, put too much doubt in them as, as far as his his ability to develop, but could be a, a surprise team for me as far as you know overall in the country. Yeah, I think in this tournament, I think Oklahoma um, and Butler are probably the two best teams, and Butler is definitely the most experienced. Um, but Missouri's intriguing to watch with the tournament in Kansas City. They'll probably have a mm-hmm. semi advantage for that. Um, so I think I'm, in, I think I'm going to hesitantly say Butler wins the event because their guards are so disciplined, um, in terms of taking care of the ball and then forcing turnovers on the other end, where I think they'll kind of dominate the possession battle against Missouri and, or, um, and Oklahoma and, or 
uh, Stanford in that second game, but it also wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if Missouri beat Butler in the first round. One thing, I guess, last thing before we before we wrap this up, Charleston Classic wrapping up tonight. Florida Xavier in a game of two teams that I would say have underwhelmed so far. Florida's offense has looked putrid. Xavier has been winning games, but not in any kind of you know impressive fashion. Anything you're looking for tonight, maybe a prediction from you. I think right now, according to Ken Palm, Xavier is favored by one. What are you looking for tonight from either one of these teams? Either one of them to shoot the three. Yeah. Any consistency. Um, I think both teams are consistent three point shooting away from a top 15 being back in the, or being back in the top 15 for Florida and then for Xavier just getting into the top 15. Both their defensive units are outstanding, um, but. Both are shooting sub 30% from three this season, and that's just not going to cut it in the modern day of basketball. Lucas is my my co-site expert at Bustin Brackets. Lucas, I appreciate you taking the time to join me tonight on the ACC Basketball Report. Go ahead and let my people know where we can find your work. All right, well, you can find me on Twitter at Hardwired Sports, and then as Michael already mentioned, you can find my work at bustingbrackets.com. I post an article pretty much every day. <laughs> he does. He's a, he's a manufacturer of words, people. He's incredible. I can do 5,000 words a month. He does 5,000 words a night. Lucas, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Lucas Harkins, co-site expert or co- yeah, co-site expert. Yeah, yeah, and editor of the Bustin Brackets website, also a, a a frequent knowledge dropper on the Bustin Brackets podcast. You know, Lucas is a guy that you know he he's like Sweeney, he's like Connor Hope, he's like some of these other guys that I constantly interact with that just watch. You know, I, I you know I told this on on Rockin' Twenty Five with the guys the other night. I thought I watched a lot of basketball. These guys watch a ton of fucking basketball. I mean, I I, I thought I was the guy. You know, every now and then I'm gonna watch some NFL. These guys don't watch any NFL. They're watching fucking basketball, and the the way that they're able to kind of break down the game, uh, whether it be through synergy or or whatever outlets, is is incredible. It's a it's an level it's a level above. I'm an old school guy. I'm I'm gonna watch. I'm going to watch basketball, and what my eyes tell me is is how I'm going to bet. It's how I'm going to interpret the game, and some of these guys are just on a different level. Jonathan Warner also, you know, on that level with with, with Connor, with Lucas, with, with Sweeney, Brad Cavallaro, another guy. Um, it, it's it's remarkable what these guys are able to extract. You know, three man weave podcast, same thing. These guys, the, the knowledge and the way they break down games is 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 incredible and i you know i'm proud to proud to be able to to tap them for knowledge and, and bring them on this on this podcast and and have them pay it forward you know next week uh actually kevin sweeney from cv central is going to join me <clears throat> and we're going to break down the acc big 10 challenge which you know we did last year we're going to do it this year and i hope we do it for years to come because it's a lot of fun kevin is a guy that is extremely knowledgeable of the game and you know just sitting down to talk basketball with kevin is you know is incredible it's just it, it doesn't feel like work you know what i mean they say you know find what you find what you love to do you'll never work a day in your life and that's what this podcast and that's what you know talk sitting down talking to guys like lucas talking to guys like kevin that's what this is i mean it ain't it ain't work baby it's you know, it feels like work until you get up to it, and then you hit the record button, you start talking, and it just it just rolls. And, you know, I'm happy to bring it to you. Um, you know, we're 80 episodes deep, and I'm going to keep bringing it to you. Um, hit hit up accbasketballreport.com for any written content from the guys, from the youngins, which would be Mono, the chimp, which you heard on this episode, as well as the big cat with a K, uh, Kinchin. And, you know, at accbr1 for me, through me, you'll find all the all the youngins. I, I I can't even pretend to, you know, recite their their ACC their their Twitter handles at this point. But <clears throat> all that stuff is on accbasketballreport.com. Go there, find their their information. Um, 
you know, give them a follow while you're there. If you want, there's a new addition to the site. Not something I'm particularly proud of, but at the same time, you know, it is what it is. There's a new donate button under the contact page. Under the, I'm sorry, under the information page where you can find all of our information. If you want to go ahead and support the podcast, support the site, which, you know, up to this point is basically it comes out of my pocket. So that is what it is. I'm not particularly fond of doing something like that. ACCBR will always bring you guys free content. If you feel like supporting the podcast, if you feel like supporting the website, feel free to join the about page and make a donation. It's just as simple as that. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time. We went a little bit long tonight, but I think we got a lot of good information in. I hope you enjoy Feast Week. Don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. Leave me your thoughts on either Spotify. Actually, I don't think Spotify has a a rating system, but go on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Leave me your thoughts. Let me know how we can make this podcast better for you, more informational for you. I hope you guys enjoy it. I will see you next week when Kevin Sweeney joins me and we preview the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Later!